Hello, everybody. I am Liz Wayne, co-host of the LLC podcast. It's an honor to introduce our listeners today to Women in Supply Chain and Logistics. Um, and with the LLC podcast, you'll hear inspirational stories. Um, you'll get to hear about ours and others' backgrounds, um, how we try to empower, empower others, give back to our communities, and all kinds of other fun stuff. So I'm going to introduce our panelists today. Again, I'm Liz Wayne, uh, CEO of Able Transport Solutions. I have Nicole Glenn, founder and CEO of Candor Expedite, Christy Nichol with Nichol Logistics, Charlie Safro, CS Recruiting, and Sharon Sire with Saving Our Sisters. We are missing Blythe Brumleave today. She is at F3 um, enjoying herself, so she will have to catch up with us next time. So this panel gets together about quarterly. Um, I think we missed last time, but the time before that, we decided to, you know, as we like to open up the show talking about the market, we're like, ah, do we have to? And now here we are, <laughs> maybe four <laughs> to six months later, and we have to. We have to talk about the market. Um, and we have to talk about how we can help our people, whether it be our employees, our customers, um, our friends, our freight friends, and everybody else kind of weather the storm and, and get through hard times. So a lot of our listeners are from logistics and supply chain. Um, they should know what I'm talking about. But in case anybody doesn't, freight rates are at an all-time low. Um, they've stayed there longer than anybody initially thought that they would. Usually our market looks a lot like a hockey stick. And this time it's a really wide capital U um, that's still kind of missing that right side. It hasn't corrected itself yet. So it's really we're in the middle of a freight recession that's unlike anything we've seen. And everybody is kind of trying to weather that together. Um, we've got carriers and brokers going out of business every day um, for some of them. They are no longer profitable. And so they're kind of shutting their doors and moving on. Um, other times they're fighting for what I would say maybe is too long. And the implications of that are, is a bankruptcy with a lot of carriers and owner operators, uh, left foot in the bill, which, which in turn is going to put a lot of them out of business. Um, these headlines and stories have come to be a daily occurrence lately. Just before this call, we update each other on a couple of things people have heard just yet today. That's, that's literally the state we're in. Some people are calling it the Lehman Brothers moment in freight. So we're going to talk about the market a little bit today. Um, I think FreightWaves had something a few days ago that I thought really hit the nail on the head for me anyway, but they called it an era of somber recalibration. Um, so the recalibration is needed. I don't think anybody denies that, but it is somber. It's, it's hard. It's sad. Um, so we'll get into some of that and talk about how, like I said, how we can get each other through these times. But let's start specifically. We, we're we all in logistics, but we all kind of have our specialty in our niche. So real quick, you know, flatbed is what I do, flatbed heavy haul. It has overall, over the course of the last couple of years, it hasn't seen as sharp of decline um, as like the van and reefer market hat. Well, reefer and flatbed have not seen as much as the van side has. Um, but rates are kind of staying low. I mean, I think as far as my carriers go, everybody is kind of trying to break even, maybe make a little bit of money um, until we can get recalibrated, as we said. Um, I, I think flatbed rates could go a little bit lower through winter. I mean, that's typically when we slow down. Um, we never really saw our summer uptick in rates, but I think there is a chance we could still see a winter downtick. Uh, but they are still about 20 to 30 percent higher than van rates. Um, so moving over to you, Nicole, tell us how expedited shipping is doing. Is it kind of moving with the rest of the market or faring a little better? Well, it's been tough on the expedited side. So you guys have all seen that the major automotive companies went on strike. And that is a good portion of the expedited business. I mean, there's different tiers to that. So you'll see the tier one uh, and, and the main automotive companies just halting all shipping. And then you keep going lower. So then you see tier two, T3, 
tier three obviously being affected and expedited equipment does move a lot of that commodity. Um, so that was a long time stretch. I think we just got through negotiations now and it's, it was a six week strike. I mean, that's, that's a long time uh, for that, that to transpire. I think for us too, I mean, what we're seeing and we're a smaller companies. So with that, you know, I'm not coming to you as, you know, a, a massive expedited company. So I don't think we've taken a, a big of a brunt as some of the other companies out there that have dedicated reoccurring expedite. I know people don't know that that really exists, but it does. Um, so we have seen a downturn definitely in that. Um, obviously, we still see a significant amount of quotes, but obviously that that book to win ratio um, is significantly lower. Margins are significantly lower. And so we are actually at points looking at trailer since the van market is so down in comparison, um, you can actually get trailer costs at a lower rate in some markets at some times of the day um, than you can even a straight truck. So it's educating those expedited carriers on really how it's a domino effect. If it hits the trailer market, you know, and it's it's less expensive. You know, we need to educate them on on sharpening their pencils to to keep their equipment running as well. So this at this point in time, we've diversified our business. Um, so that is allowing us to really step foot forward and and have a profitable month. I mean, we've still we're on the profit train uh, this last month, and it's really due to our expedited LTL, our white glove service offering. Um, our air freight services. If we just were living and dying by the straight truck market today, um, we'd be in pretty bad shape too. So, and the same concept, like I've gone to quite a few conferences, Liz, and your explanation is is like spot on with what the market's looking like. When I went to DATCON, there was a comment that was made by Dean Croak. He's an analyst that I follow and he's a good friend of mine. I mean, he was saying that a lot of these carriers are even just one breakdown away uh, to going out of business due to the interest rates, you know, due to what's going on with maintaining their equipment and overpaying for that equipment when prices were high. So it's like this, you know, mix of just so many different things happening and it affects really everyone and every type of company, every mode every type of position right now in the logistics space. So, yeah. yeah, it's a perfect storm of terrible things for a lot of, and I think we're seeing it across, no matter who we partner with, we're all very partnered with a lot of people, whether it's our technology partners, our carrier partners, our shipping partners. Um, and I think we're all seeing really how, just the domino effect of how, how interwoven we all really are too. Christy, um, tell us what's going on in Intermodal and, and what you're expecting for 2024. Yeah, so the interesting thing is when COVID hit, I know we're three years out, but um, we're still trying to get out of um, the COVID environment as far as volume because we were strapped with how much volume we could move by the railroads at that time. So even though the last two years have been pretty good for us um, as far as getting business. We weren't able to move as much volume as we could have. Um, so obviously, you know, able to hold on to margins, but then coming into this year, I would say around uh, April, April was the month where it just went completely down the tubes as far as, um, you know, not being able to make as much money. Now you've got to bring more volume on and the volume or the capacity is actually there. But the problem is the truck pricing is a lot lower than what the rail pricing is in the markets where they can compete, which is typically more your long haul moves, or if you're on the East Coast core going from north south um, down to Florida and back up. Um, but even in those shorter hauls, like 700 miles or so, that would be typically competitive. We're not competitive compared to truck. So it's been very challenging this year to gain some more volume on the rail side. Um, what I will say is like with the railroads, it, they're always six months behind in what the market says. And by the time they come to uh, realize that, okay, now we really need to make some changes, they're, they're doing that now. 
Um, so we've had to diversify, meaning taking some business off your typical direct railroads like the Union Pacific, say Norfolk Southern, CSX, and moving with some other asset providers out there that typically we don't try to move a whole lot of business with the asset players, but we were able to get better competitive pricing from them um, in some cases, and they were doing some unique things. Um, so for us just to hold on to business, um, we didn't have a choice. So that's what we had to do. Now the railroads are certainly coming um, to play, but one of the interesting things is their service. You would think now would get a lot better, but the transits are still inconsistent. Um, they're, they're not where they need to be. They are getting better, but I think the, the toughest sell is if you're close to a truck rate. Um, if you know you're shipping a load and some days it takes seven days and sometimes it takes 10 days, like that inconsistency, they'd rather just move it on a truck. Um, and speaking as, as being diversified, we do have a truck brokerage and LTL department. The unfortunate part is we're not capturing some of that business that went off the rail to the truck side because some of these customers were so used to us just being that rail partner. Um, so we have to do a better job of capturing some of that on the other side so we keep it in-house. Now, some of it we have, but there's definitely more there that we could have. Um, and I know the last couple weeks they had talked about the rail market being more... Um, they're seeing like a mini peak, sort of speak, um, going on where volumes actually were starting to go up. And I can tell you for us, because of the type of commodities we're shipping, um, which are some food products, um, we ship a lot of rice out of California. They had a new crop that, that came out um, basically in October. Um, so we're seeing peak shipping with those customers. They got 100% of their water out in California, which hasn't happened in many years. And those customers are booming. So that's helping us right now. And we're also shipping a lot of wine and alcohol, which right now for holidays is booming. Um, and another thing for us as well is uh, Mexico. Mexico has become a pretty large market right now as far as the railroads really trying to gain some business um, in and out, which is interesting because over time, like that's never been easy to get business um, out of Mexico because you have to be sending boxes in there. So the railroads will repo boxes in there, but it's always been a challenge for us. But now we've actually won some business coming out of Mexico. Uh, we've signed up an agent that's actually in Mexico that does intermodal in Mexico. They need a US partner and they're in some large accounts. So that's another thing that we're working on now. Um, so for us, I would say as a company, intermodal has, it's definitely, we're seeing an uptick now. And you know, obviously at some point, um, I think that that's going to slow down a little bit towards the end of the year with the rice will go into next year, February. Um, but I know this past week, um, they just reported, though, that the rail was significantly down, um, like a significant drop in origin um, loadings So um, from the previous week. So they're kind of saying, oh, there was this mini peak for maybe for like three weeks. Um, and now that they're seeing like this huge decline. Um, so I think across the board, even though those numbers are out there, my company as a whole, though, we, we are actually seeing an influx of business right now on the rail side. Um, and I think the other thing, too, and this is something Nicole and I, we briefly talked about before the show was, you know, you don't want to hear about these carriers going out of business. And, and that's horrible um, to hear that that happens. But as that continues to happen right now, eventually that will bring the prices of the truck market up and eventually then intermodal will be more competitive. So I'm pretty optimistic going into next year, even though there's a lot of mixed feelings about intermodal. Um, and I think the other big opportunity is really going to be the nearshoring with Mexico. Um, and then, the, you know, the CPKCS now has the Canada through U.S. down through Mexico, um, you know, a complete line there. So that's another thing that I think will continue to drive business once the market starts to fix itself on the truck side, because that's typically how that works. Um, you know, even though the railroads are being more aggressive now, sometimes you it's still not completely aggressive enough for us to gain more volume there from the truck market. Um, and the other interesting thing I'll just touch on too briefly is, you know, JB Hunt's another big competitor out there for a lot of us. Um, they're also a company that we can also ship with as well. But they have their own trucks um, and they have a large fleet, I think like 115,000. And they just announced that they had purchased BNSF Logistics, which will then kind of bolster what they're doing, which, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that happens, because typically, um, 
you know, we do utilize them some, but in the same token, they're a lot, they're in a lot of business we're in too. And I don't know how that's going to change the intermodal market. Um, it might make it more challenging for some competitors or maybe some competitors will decide to, you know, do some more business with them. So, so we'll see how that goes, but um, I'm optimistic about what we're seeing as a company, but obviously the data is out there and, and saying right now, intermodal is still, still down. Well, I'm glad with it being down that you have, um, you know, other business segments. That's that's got to make it easier for you to pivot in that. Um, yeah, which you know should help you until until intermodal picks up. Because yeah, I mean, from it's hard to say, hey, we can do this at the same price as truck, but we need twice as much transit. I mean, that that's a tough yeah. pitch. But I'm glad that you can move some business over to the truck side and and focus there as long, you know, as long as you need to. Yeah. And I would say the last thing kind of to the uh, Nicole's point too, is just being diversified if you can, because having those three modes, we also have a government division, supplier diversity division, and we also have an agent network. And like, honestly, all those little pieces do help make up when you have your biggest piece down, which is our intermodal. Yeah. So um, it's definitely, you know, my biggest piece of advice, if you can diversify in some way, shape or form, it's definitely important when you're in this space. Yeah. So Charlie, let's hop over to you. Um, our, our in-panel recruiter, our hiring guru, the hiring market seems to have done a 180 since we've met and been having these conversations. Um, so how do you and your company adjust to such rapid changes from your customers and job seekers? Yeah. So, I mean, just to touch on everything that's been said, it's, it's a cycle and we're at the end of that cycle. So if consumers aren't buying, freight isn't moving. And if freight isn't moving, then people aren't hiring. Um, we love working with clients that are hiring because they're growing, because they're diversifying and wanting to bring in experts. And we're just seeing less of that. We're working on more positions that are vacancies because people were eliminated or people left the company. Sometimes um, we're you know, getting some hope when we're working on a role because someone was promoted. And that's a great sign that we have an opportunity to backfill it. But the truth is the professional hiring market um, there are a lot of job seekers out there and we have just a huge influx. We probably have the best talent pool we've ever seen. And, and I've been doing this 13 years, um, but there is some great talent out there. There's just not enough professional opportunities for them. What's interesting is you hear that and I can validate that. And there's tons of data showing that, you know, transportation, manufacturing, distribution, the professional hiring is down, the job count is not where it should be. But then you hear that unemployment is low. And I got an article yesterday um, that the government is reporting that there are way more jobs than there are workers. And like five people sent me this article and they're like, isn't this contradictory of what you're saying? But those are seasonal jobs. Those are temporary jobs. Um, the space we play in is you know, permanent placement, professional positions. Um, but there's just a, a total paradox there. And I, I just want to recognize that um, the the jobs that are vacant right now, they're probably not the most desirable jobs. And, and like I said, many of them are temporary. So it's a totally different talent pool. Um, so our team right now, you know, I will be very honest. I, I always am like we are working a lot harder for a lot less. And it's hard to keep morale up. It's hard to stay motivated. I'd say the one thing I'm grateful for is a few years ago, we kind of quietly launched a consulting service and we do some thought leadership with our clients, really focusing on employee engagement, culture, retention, that all feeds back into recruiting strategy. And maybe back to what you had said, Liz, um, you know, companies are starting to think about like recalibrating and we're seeing opportunities with clients that are like, we're not hiring, but we're going to use this lull and this slow time to really get our culture in a great spot and put recognition programs in place and DEI programs in place because, you know, I can't say there will ever be another great resignation, but I can confidently say the market will flip and there will be a time in the future where there are, you know, not enough job seekers and qualified people out there. And that's what people are attracted to. So 
that's my advice is, you know, you may not be as busy hiring, onboarding, training people, but use those resources into just improving your culture, your talent brands, the way you engage your employees. That will always pay off, but it will certainly pay off when you get to a point where you're struggling to attract new talent when you are hiring again. Charlie, I do have one question for you because I'm always fascinated by the you know, work from home concept. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing, oh, there's still the the talent pool is really seeking that? Are they opening up more into the idea of going back to the office somewhat? What What do you have around that idea? I'd say the talent pool is still very much seeking that. It's like we all had a taste of it. And this it's, it's less about like working from home. It's more just about like having flexibility and feeling trusted but the employers are not honoring that. So I think the um, work from home, the remote jobs right now, there's about 9% of all the jobs on LinkedIn are remote. That was at like 23% in the great resignation. So it's dipped considerably. Hybrid roles are like 14% right now. That was closer to 30%. So um, we are seeing a lot of return to office mandates and on-site mandates. And Right now, employers can do it because people need jobs, but it will be really interesting. Um, I've already heard of some teams that are starting to like, it's it's probably not the best time to be like protesting that. If you need a job, you go where the job is. But um, some people kind of retaliate and say like, I was hired for a remote job. You can't tell me now two years in that I have to report to an office. Um, and they're right. I mean, it's all about policies and communication and just being very clear and transparent with the way your business environment works. I'm interested in what you just said there, because honestly, that's something we're thinking about specifically on the operations side, because we have seen issues um, and we have a lot of new people like on the brokerage side in particular, and a couple people were allowed to move to different states. And those were probably like our more um, seasoned people. And then the new people don't get to learn because they're not in the office and as an owner, it's been challenging to grow. And I think that's a big part of it. So it's kind of, it's hard. Trust me, like those are tough conversations to like, this is what we did and we want to be able to do that. And then it's like, but you have to do what's going to make the business money too. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like you're scared because you don't know, like, are people going to leave? Then we've tried to find people that want to be here. And I think it's going to be very challenging to deal with over the next few years. I mean, there's no solution. I was just going to say hybrid is the best solution for everyone. Um, We had a hybrid team for 10 years before the pandemic, um, but it's hard to manage hybrid. You're dealing with schedules, you're paying office rent and overhead for five days a week, and you're not using it to its capacity. Um, So it's like hybrid is the best happy medium and compromise. Mm -hmm. But I'd say in my experience, I think it's actually easier to manage a fully remote workforce than it is a hybrid workforce, even though that's the best place to land. Yeah, we're hybrid and we're people are happy with that. You know, they get to come in uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday and Friday. But I will say as a business owner on Monday and Friday, the slack is a lot more quiet, meaning because we have general where we're all talking and calling out wins. And so you're I think as a leader, it's harder to shake the tree of excitement. And especially when your employees right now are quoting that much more and not winning, like mm-hmm. there's things that are outside of the employer's really ability to help lift that morale. Because when you keep losing and you're not winning loads over and over, there's nothing I can do except give you hope that, you know, that will change. So the morale will be better when people are inside the office because then they, they're going through it together, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, so, it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of our core mm-hmm. values is win together, and it's worked for us, and we celebrate it all the time. And this year, we're finally like, win together also means losing together, and that is not something our team has experience at. And so now we're trying to really, you know, make that part of that value that it's it's sticking together, win or lose. But it's it's a lot a lot harder to lose. Yeah. <laughs> And the last thing I want to say too, like we're hybrid also as well, but the other thing is we are moving to a new building next year and it's a lot of money. And we thought about that too. You're going to have two days that people aren't there and we're paying a lot of money. So like we do have some tough decisions to make going forward. So Mm -hmm. Sharon, you are quiet over there today. We haven't got to you yet. Tell us 
what you're seeing in the market and how you guys are weathering the storm and when is it going to get easier for us? <laughs> well, I've seen this go up and down over the years. And my word of advice to everybody, it's the same thing I've said over the years, this too shall pass. You just, the strong survive and the weak don't. So you just have to hang in there, do the best you can. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're hanging on because of our relationships with our customers. So we have very intimate relationships with customers. We don't have some of the largest customers out there, but we're kind of a one throat to choke kind of company. <laughs> so customers like that, they, they call and they get a, a the phone gets answered by somebody they can actually talk to and understands their business. And, and we make sure if there is a service failure, they know about it before they have to call us and ask us about it. So that's kind of how we operate our business and our business is down, but we're bringing on new business because of our relationships. We lost one of our, our largest account this year because they were owned by a, their headquarters was in Mexico. It was a tile company they did business all over the United States, had them had this account for years and years and years. They're just now they're finally, you know, dwindling out. So we're about finished moving them out. The good news is we knew everybody that worked there in the, in El Paso and they've all gotten new jobs. So we've picked up new business from them. So it's important to know everybody that works at your customer's office. So, when I used to be in sales, when I'd go in and take cookies or whatever, I took it to everybody. I just didn't take take it to one person. So you never knew who was going to leave. So that's kind of been how I've worked over the years. Back in when at 9-11, the market was much worse than it is now. I mean, companies were really going out. Drivers, we were losing drivers like crazy. Uh, but it came back. Then in 2008, it went down again. We've lost a lot of drivers. We lost all the boomers. You know, the drivers were retiring and it kind of, everybody had to recalibrate then too. That's a good word. And now we're going through this again. And I don't, we never come out exactly the way it was before. You just have to learn how to recalibrate, do what works and be able to make, to, uh, you know, just to embrace the change because it will change. Like we're, we're talking about working remotely or hybrids or coming back to the office. We never used to talk about that. Everybody was in the office. <laughs> COVID changed all of that. And so this will also change how we do business. But again, you just have to hang in there, stay strong and, and be careful how you spend your money. Make sure you take care of your carriers as well as your customers because you don't want to lose them. But I was at the Women in Trucking Conference this week and they said we're probably going to lose 150,000 drivers in 2024. So, again, that's going to make the rates go up. And you, but that'll happen for a little while. Then the driver will say, Hey, the rates are up. And then they'll, <laughs> they'll come back, they'll buy a truck. And then we do it all over again. Then the rates will go back down. It's just a cycle. It's and normally Sharon, that we lose a lot of the drivers to the construction market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was at a CEO group thing mm -hmm. yesterday and the mortgage world, right. Is affecting to where, Prices of homes, and I'm saying homes because I'm thinking of home building for construction. Mm -hmm. um, they're still holding high because there's not a lot of vacancy, right? People aren't moving because of interest rates. Right. So it's it's so funny to think that the construction market where our drivers tend to go to to mm -hmm. be safe to weather the storm doesn't look that promising either at this point until we start seeing interest rates drop. Well, and I don't think people realize how much the oil and gas industry affects everybody's business because it's not just about oil and gas. It's about tires. I mean, they use oil and gas to make tires and, you know, a lot of different products. And so when they stop producing oil, it affects a lot of businesses, which affect our other customers that rely on that, not just our cars right. and the trucks, you know, so you have to keep up with the market. You have to know what's going on. What I did see this week, one of my old customers I hadn't heard from him in years, reached out to me. We're working on a project 
for him. He's from Mexico. There's a company in China. They're moving their whole distribution, their their uh, their business to Mexico now. So I've been I'm talking to my people I know in the international market to move their product from China to Mexico. Then we're going to do the over the road from Mexico throughout the United States. So there is going to be new business coming up. It's just going to take a little longer to close it, I think. So I'm interested. I was very interested to hear in everybody's take on the market, but everybody is in kind of, we're all in kind of the same place. I mean, it's hard right now. I know everybody here is super active on LinkedIn and you can't open any freight news. You can't open your social feed without feeling it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard as the leader of a company to struggle. It's hard to see your employees struggle. Charlie, you mentioned morale, like, Hey guys, do more with less. That's hard. Um, It's very hard. Carriers. I'm, you guys have seen me probably on my pedestal. Like I am fighting for the owner operators through, this is going to be a big part of how I try to give back to the industry through this recession. Um, But the list goes on and on. Like it is just really hard to see everybody struggle. So how do we, I guess I'm just going to kind of take two questions and combine them into one because I want to make sure we have time to hear from everybody on this. But how do we stay positive for all of these partners we have? And how do we show up for our teams and these partners? Um, when, like, to be honest, it's hard for us too, right? Mm-hmm. So Nicole, kick us yeah. off on that one. How are you handling all this for every to support I think everybody else? You guys know, and I and every time I'm on this podcast and we talk about because we've been talking about like the poop environment for the whole year. It isn't like we just started this conversation. It really is the grit, you know. It's so I think you heard Christy say it, you heard Charlie say that she is taking a a previous company that she's already been working in, like expanding on that. And I think it's communicating that to your teams, right? And having that positive, we can do this. So same thing for us. It's like we're expanding into different things. I mean, we have a bunch of big name clients that we're in onboarding with. And so I think like today I got a quote Um, from a customer that's a very big new client. And so I share that with the whole team, not to say, hey, Nicole, look at you. You're awesome bringing that account in. Um, But to go, it's out there. We can find it and we can come together and work through this. So I think it's having that grit mindset Mm -hmm. and communicating that that's what's needed. We had a lot of people enter in the space of logistics and transportation during the time when it was easy, right? All of us did. And now they're starting to see what it really is. I mean, this is part of it. It is not sunshine and rainbows all day. It is not Lamborghinis and three houses. It is bust your ass, right? <laughs> and that's never going away. And so I always try to make my team celebrate when they're uncomfortable. So we had one guy that was not very comfortable with one mode. And now he's booking a different mode and he was like, okay. So I think if you approach it and have that communication that we even had during the pandemic, when things were uncertain for people, they just want to know that we're sure the leader is sure. Now it sucks when it's slow and it's quiet and you, you know, you're not seeing that gravy train at the bottom of your P and L, but that's normal. And so with that is we just got to hustle guys and we need to beat out our competition Today, we had a a client that's relatively new. And I'm like, I saw a straight truck move. We'd only had cargo vans and sprinter vans before. And so I saw that. I celebrated that with my team. I'm like, you guys want a straight truck. That's awesome. We need to keep servicing the hell out of this account so we can start winning those. And I think they want to hear that from our leader, their leaders. Mm -hmm. And they want to, they want to feel you present. And I don't care if you're a, a, $300 million company or you're a $20 million company like mine, you got to shine and you got to tell people like, Hey, I feel good about this. We're just going to work extra hard. And it, it, and it shows with my whole team, you know, Mm -hmm. they're in it to win it when it's crappy and morale's tough. They still know that we're all showing up to do the job. So. 
So another thing I heard you say there, um, you said grit, but I hear you're instilling hope too, um, because hope is one of the most powerful emotions that humans have. So we would be wise as leaders to um, be giving that and sharing that because we know the market's going to change. We know, I mean, I know I've been through this enough. There's, there is some real fun to be had on the other side. (laughs) Um, And so trying to just be talking about that so we can be something to look forward to goes a long way. You know, that's what hope really is. So Sharon, let me hop over to you. How are you staying positive and showing up for all your partners? Well, we have to have fun and we have to laugh because it's so easy just to get gloom and doom and, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And, Oh, it's the end of the world. And, you know, I just don't know if I can make it till next year. We don't talk like that in our office. It's how are you doing? What are we going to do today? We celebrate every single shipment. We made $200. We made $800. We made $50. We celebrate everything. We're talking about the budget for next year. And I got some mixed messages from some of the people in the office about, well, we better not put too many you know, the goals better be more realistic for next year. And I said, no, I mean, we don't want to make it easy. We want to make, we want to attain, you know, make sure we we meet those goals, but we also want to have something to really work for and celebrate. And so we just try to make it fun. Uh, My son yesterday was, oh, he was in a bad mood and, and because something happened and I said, go home. I said, because you're bringing everybody down. We're not going <laughs> to, you can't be here. So, can't he leave? no, he's, he's saying that. Because he knew I was serious. Mama and, could uh, close the door and get some whiskey. Close the door and get some whiskey, Larry. <laughs> and so, about, he said, then, so we bought everybody lunch. And, uh, you know, we, and by the end of the day, everybody's laughing and having a good time. And, uh, so we, you just can't take everything so seriously. It is serious. You do worry about not making enough money. You do worry about taking care of all of your people. And you do worry about growing. But I always ask the question, what's the worst thing that can happen? Do we go out of business? We go out of business. We start a new business. You know, I've done it before. I do it again. I, you know, that's the good thing about having the experience that we all have. We've seen the worst, we've seen the best, and we know how to get back to the best. And we're all still growing in our, in our careers. Even me, we're still growing. We're learning. We're changing. You just can't keep doing the same thing over and over again, the same way. That's what they call insanity. So you do have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to try new things. And so, we have a pause. I'm like, Nicole, I'm looking forward to next year. And, and Christy, I think, yeah, it may not be the best year, but maybe it will be. You don't, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So just stay in there every day and keep trying. Yes. Great advice. Charlie, how about you? How do we um, stay positive. I was going to ask you too, because I know you're even more active than the rest of us, but who should we be following on LinkedIn to help with the positivity? I know like for me, some of Kevin Nolan's recent posts have been like, they've bought me 60 minutes of peace, you know, <laughs> at a time. So uh, throw that in if you could, if there's anybody we're not already following. Yeah, I think it's a a very delicate balance of staying optimistic, but being realistic with your employees. And I think the hardest thing as a leader, which I know you ladies can relate is a lot of times, like if, if we're not sharing details with our team, it's not because we're secretive. It's because we're protecting them from burdens they don't need to carry. We're the ones obsessing over the financials and, you know, the future planning. So agree with all of you. I mean, we celebrate the little wins and we do our best to, you know, get testimonials from clients and candidates we've helped and put those testimonials not only in front of the person it's about, but in front of the world to just boost their morale. And the testimonials, not just when we have a successful placement, it's, you know, we made progress. We put the right people in front of them for the interviews. I think we beat a dead horse at CS Recruiting with the the um, term control what you can control. But 
we're in the people business. There's emotions, there's families, there's variables of humans that are out of our control. And so we focus on what is within our control. And then I'd say lastly, just being real and recognizing that the world is heavy right now. Um, everything going on in Israel is affecting a lot of people. However, you know, wherever you stand on the topic, it's affecting people. You can't turn on the news or social media without feeling hopeless or, or depressed. So one thing we did a couple weeks ago was um, we brought in actually one of my friends, but I just looked in my network and I have a friend who is a mental health advocate. She talks about crisis management, how to identify signs of burnout or signs of you know something more harmful. And we just had a discussion as a team and like as a leader, I'm like, guys, I, I feel the same as you. Like I'm trying to stay positive and I'm going through the motions, but it's hard now. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's better for me or harder for me. Like we're all human and all feeling this mental strain. On LinkedIn, I think it's funny because there's a lot of, and I saw your post a couple of weeks ago, Liz, about people being salty. And there's a lot of memes and just poking fun at this like fraternity environment that is so typical in brokerages. And it's like, we can look at that from afar and be like, oh yeah, ha ha. Like you see the typical brokerage fridge with the Zins and the alcohol and the cigarettes. And like, but is that really, like we have, we have the power to change that. And I think female leaders really have the power to change that whole stigma because not every brokerage floor looks and acts like that. And, you know, the longer that continues, the more we are just discouraging any minority, any diverse audience from feeling welcomed and belonged in a culture like that. So um, on LinkedIn, I mean, it's funny because I'm not like a huge hashtag person, but lately I'll follow hashtags that are motivation, inspiration. Like I love the hashtag, what inspires me? Um, and then like my go-tos, like Adam Grant always just, he says what's real with a little dose of positivity, Simon Sinek, um, Brene Brown, Gretchen Rubin. Um, I think you have to just stick with some of these organizational philosophers because they've seen it all and they really understand like the psychology of business. Um, so I'd say stick to hashtags and just get some a few people that sprinkle a dose of reality, but also some optimism and, and some humor in your feed. That's what we need right now. Yeah. Yes. I love all that. That's why I need some positivity in my feed because I'm learning a lot right now. So I don't want to just go dark, um, right. but uh, <laughs> there's some content I, I would put aside if I could. And, and so I need to take control of my feed a little more, I think. And, and get some more going on it. Well, what's funny about some of that positive feedback, I mean, because I try to post positive things too when you I do. post, but I get a lot of feedback from people that tell me I need to privately, I need to stop it because I don't know what I'm talking about. And so you get a lot of negative messaging that a lot of you you know, that most people don't know happens. They don't post it wow. on their post. So it, it, that's been kind of surprising to me. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, we need to talk about that offline. <laughs> I have just kind of stayed away from all of that stuff. I've stayed away from social media a lot. I've kind of gone dark. Um, well, mostly because I'm focusing on my business and yeah. doing all the things I'm supposed to dive into in my mind. But I don't want to see that. I don't watch the news. And again, I know that's like, sometimes people will say that's terrible, but I'd rather talk to people and hear what people have to say about different things instead of, you know, hearing it from one side or another, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like if I stay away from the, from the terrible things, then I don't get in that train as well. So I've, I've been conflicted with that more on Instagram where I just took Instagram off my phone and you, you have to realize though, that like, I don't even want to use the word propaganda and this is not political, but these algorithms, like they, they do this to you. So when I go through my Instagram feed right now, it is nothing but depressing information, but I created that because I lingered on certain content that now the feed is like, Oh, let's give her more terrible content because she, you know, digested this. And you don't realize like your feed is different than mine, but it's all based on your reactions that you don't even subtle reactions, just things you click on, things you comment on. 
Um, but I got to a point where I was like on Instagram and I would watch it every night until I cried. And once I cried, I was like, okay, now I'm done. And my husband's like, what you are torturing yourself. Like, it's not, you know, and I was like, well, am I ignorant for not knowing what's going on in the world? And he's like, you'll, you'll know what you need to know without obsessing over it. So I think it's important for mental health just to take a step back when you need to. And if someone has a baby and you don't know, you'll find out if it's important for you to know, like you don't need Instagram or LinkedIn to, to get that type of news. And I'd like to say I've cut myself off from all social media five years ago, other than LinkedIn and that's it. And I don't watch the news really either. Um, and honestly, I do feel like my life is more positive because of that, because it is mostly all bad news. And then people start arguing, fighting different opinions. And it's been very healthy. Me and my husband both have done that. So it's definitely been a positive thing. Take control. Yeah. Right. Christy, before we close, anything else from, from you? Any other advice on showing up for your team at this time? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think um, it's kind of interesting because when Nicole spoke, like that hit head on a lot of the stuff I would have said, um, to be quite honest. I mean, I think being present, being available, showing up, you know, I'm always reaching out to my team, asking them how they're doing, how's your day. We have chat. So if they're not in the office, um, I'm always chatting them and asking them. I think another thing is we have also brought in, um, I can't think of her name right now, but uh, someone who is, you know, speaking to the group about certain health things um, to, to brighten their days and give them some more things to get through. I send out motivational videos and content to them as well, um, especially when they're feeling down and out. Um, another thing I, I we just did last week was customer service week, and it was a week of fun-filled stuff and giving away things and having games and brought in a massage therapist. And so trying to do, yeah, and it's not that much money to do that stuff, but like those things definitely help. But, you know, I think one of the biggest things too, besides that is we do have a monthly meeting with the whole company and we do go over financials. We do go over what is going on. We do talk about the wins that we have coming on and what the plans are, because at the end of the day, if they don't know what your your goals are and what's going on, even though it's a tough market and we talked about that, we even talked to them last week about the financial situation, like you're hearing all these companies going out of business, right? And we don't want people thinking they're next because we're also making decisions about employees. You know, some are leaving, some are being terminated, but also like the company's okay. Like we're financially okay. We don't want you to be concerned. If you are concerned, you can come talk with myself or John. Um, so I think it, it's really important to be in front of them so they know what's going on. And I'm probably, my dad would say too transparent, but I'd rather be too transparent than not, um, so that they do understand, you know, where we're going, what we're doing. Um, and they're a part of that. Yeah. I agree with you, yeah. Because it's like, everybody makes up that financial statement. It isn't just yeah. Christy. Right. Yeah. And that's what we talk about too. And even just the fact of like, if we can't bring on new accounts, it's about the best customer service and retaining business right now. And we need everybody's support. And we know it's been challenging. Like, I think I say it all the time. And, um, you know, I repeat myself constantly about that. Like, I know it's challenging. I've done this job before, you know, and been in your shoes and, you know, it'll change. Like, I've been in this 25 years. So I've been through three or four cycles where this has happened. This is the, the most challenging or difficult one. But yeah, I mean, it, brighter days are coming and it's just being prepared. I think like when you mentioned too about all these new companies coming in and not going through that, like I think the ones that have and understand do prepare better to understand what that's about and, and what we're going to face and, and how we come out of it. And I think talking about that and they understand like, I know we've been through this, so I'm, I have money in the company and these are the things we're focusing on now to make sure, you know, we just weather the storm and things will come back. Um, you know, I feel like next year I'm extremely optimistic. And even though like I struggle, I do that stuff outside and reach out to some of you all um, or other friends and talk about those and, you know, come in, in with that face. But to be quite honest, I'm also same with my people like, hey, you know, yeah, I'm struggling, but, you know, I'll be fine, you know, as well. You know, we just got to get through this together. And so I think all the things all you ladies said are extremely important. And it and it really is just being present and having those conversations. Communication is absolutely key. Um, so. Yeah, that's really good thoughts and advice. I know that's one of the main things I'm trying to do is just 
knowing that all of my people, whether it be my customers, my employees, like see the headlines, they see what's going on. They're all paying very close attention. So it's like for my employees, guys, you're really not to be to sound any kind of way braggadocious, but you're really lucky to work for me right now because I haven't taken anybody's money. So we're small, but we're healthy. We have no debt. We have no investors. I have nobody to financially answer to tomorrow, next quarter. Like we can actually focus on the upside of this big wide U and we can be preparing to make hay over there. And we, we can, I guess what, what I try to remind my people is we're really lucky for the ability to be long-sighted because as I look around the industry, I'm seeing people have to make very short-sighted decisions. And um, so I'm kind of trying to separate the headlines, you might say, from our reality. Like, yes, we are small. We are not a hyper-growth company, but we are very healthy and we've never been so grateful to to be at a regular growth company and not a hyper growth company. Um, So, and then, you know, for my customers and stuff, I mean, I think shippers should be cautious. I think shippers should be paying very close attention to what's going on um, because they will end up double paying some freight bills. There's just no other way it will happen. And so really making sure my customers know um, while we might be small, we are very healthy, um, you know, and, 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 and encouraging them to check in on their providers, make sure those carriers are getting paid, um, you know, before it's too late. So we're just trying to be very transparent with everybody and look at what makes able in a better position to weather the storm than maybe some others and, and be talking about that with everybody. Yeah, I agree, Liz. I just wanted to say briefly, we actually just put marketing about our financials out there and talking to customers about that. Because again, like we had a large customer that was shipping with Convoy and then we started getting all this business, but then they went to another digital broker as well. And I'm just, you know, again, it's like, I think those questions are going to be coming. And I think having those discussions, because there are also companies going out that do have their own money, but the CEOs are not being responsible about it as well. So I think having those talks are important, like you're saying as well, um, which is what I do too, so that they do feel comfortable. Yeah. I think we all are scrutinizing our partners a little bit more than we used to, and nothing bad can come from that. I think that's got to be a good thing uh, for the strong and healthy companies in the future. So, right. This was great, ladies. We haven't done it in long enough. Well, we'll be back. We'll be back in the beginning of the year, ready to talk about what's next. Yes. yes. We'll talk about 2024 and maybe things will have given a little bit by then. What do you think? Yeah. I think so. Hopefully. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was so great to see everybody. Bye, ladies. Bye.